Hey, Westside family, Jake Gilbert here, one of the leaders in charge of our media department. Thanks for joining us for today's message. We hope you are blessed by what God has been speaking to us through our pastors and leaders, and we pray this leads you into an even more intimate relationship with Jesus. We love you guys, and enjoy. Um, like I mentioned, Jonathan is under the weather this morning, so um, I'm going to bring to you the word, and we're going to turn old school because we don't have it on the screens, right? We weren't able to get it on the, the screen, so hopefully you brought your Bible. Wouldn't that be a shock to bring to church? No. <laughs> or you've got your handy-dandy Bible on your app um, so that you can whip it up, but we're going to turn to the book of Joshua chapter 2, so I'm going to give you a heads up so um, that you can thumb through and find it, or you can um, pull it up on your app. Uh, on your phone so you can follow along with me today. But the title of the message is Choice to Change. So how many of you know you have a choice to change? There ever been some things in your life that you've wanted to change, but you didn't want to make the choice to change them? Am I the only one? You know, you want to change your weight, but you don't want to change the way you eat? Am I the only one? I keep telling myself that I'm not going to get coffee anymore because every time I drink one of my drinks, I get half of the sugar. So you, usually unless I'm at like a, I'll just give you a little coffee information here. If you go to a, like a high dollar nice coffee shop, their coffee is not as sweet. So I'm like, I'll take it the way they make it. But if you go to Starbucks, you got to get half of the sugar because it's like six pumps of something in there. I'm like, that'll jolt you, you know, with sugar. So I always get half of the pumps, and they don't tell you on the calorie chart what half of the pumps are. So I just have to know every time I order that 400-calorie drink, well, there's 400 calories in my day right there. And so, um, so I've told myself I'm not going to order them anymore until I'm tempted. And then I'm like, well, let's start tomorrow, Right? I choose not to change because my flesh gets the best of me. And so I think we've all been there with something in our life. That's a very silly example, although it is a good example of one of the things that we can allow, the little, spox, the little foxes that spoil the vine, right? Those things that we want to do, but we don't want to make the choice to change. But we want change. And I feel like even though we don't like change, sometimes that's our fear, right? Is that I don't want to make change because it's... it's going to change things, and I don't like change, so I'm just going to stay the same. I'm going to be miserable because I don't like change. I'm going to just learn to live this way because I don't like change. And so we really have to be purposeful and say, you know what, I'm going to make the choice to change. Um, And so there are several examples in the Bible of um, change, and change Positive change, let me say that. You can change and make the choice to do some bad things, wrong things. But positive change comes with making the right choices. Somebody say right choices. So we can see that in the word of God. A couple examples is Noah. Noah listened to God and built an ark. A change was coming and God told him what to do. And he had a choice to say, no, that's a lot of work for one man. How could you expect that of me, God? Who do you think I am? I'm not a construction worker. I'm not a, I don't know much about this. And you want me to construct this big, massive thing? Uh, where's the help? I'll, help? I'll do it if you send somebody. How many of times do we say we'll make change on condition? 
I'll do this if you do this. God said, build an ark, and Noah made the choice to obey. He made the choice to build. A choice that changed his life and his family's life. How many of you know that the choices that you make can change not only you, but your family? Some of us that need to make change because we need to see a difference in our family. Another one is David. David chose to face Goliath. A choice, again, that changed his whole life. He felt like he could do it. God told him to. He went. He obeyed. He did it. And it changed the course. Another one is the disciples. Each disciple had a choice. Each disciple, when they were met front to front with Jesus, could have said, I'm not interested. I would rather fish than walk with you. I would rather stay doing this job instead of being with you. But they chose to follow Jesus, and what did it do? It changed their life. Can you imagine when I think of the rich young ruler who didn't make that choice because he didn't want to leave behind things that were so precious and dear to him. And really, each of us are given a choice to change. Jesus comes to us. We can meet face-to-face with him. He gives us a choice, and we can choose to change or not. And if we choose him and we choose his ways, it changes our life forever. How many of you would say that your life has changed forever because of the commitment you made with Jesus Christ? How many of you are so thankful you made that choice? changed everything, right? We sing that, Jesus, you change everything. Because he does. The woman with the issue of blood, she had a choice. She had a choice to pursue Jesus. She was told that you're not to leave your home, you're not to go out. She had to make a choice to go against what the rules were, to go against what the, the, the social rules were, to go against what even maybe she felt like she should do and pursue Jesus. And because she did, her life was changed forever. He said, your faith has made you whole. She was healed and her life was no longer the same. We have a choice to change. Um, Changes everything when we recognize that God is doing something in our lives and we act on that divine moment. So we have to be sensitive enough to the Lord. We've got to understand all these people I just mentioned, Noah, David, the disciples, um, the woman with the issue of blood, even though we don't know how much she knew about Jesus, she knew enough to know he was the healer. She knew enough to know that he could do something. And so here's where we're at. As believers, we have to be sensitive enough. One, we have to know who God is, right? We have to know that God is the creator. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, that that we have forgiveness of sins. We have access to the Father because of his son, Jesus. And we can know that. Simply know that can change your life, right? That's the simple gospel message. That changes our life through salvation. But when we go past that point, we have to recognize that we need to have a relationship then with that Savior. And as we have a relationship with him, as we read God's word, as we come to church, as we fellowship with other believers, we grow in our walk with Christ. And as we grow in our walk with Christ... He speaks to us. Do you believe that this morning? That he'll speak to you. 
This is the written word. This is his words to you. So if you never hear God audibly, if you never feel like someone spoke something to you and said, the Lord said this, God is speaking to you right here. And as we pick it up, he's going to correct us because the word of God corrects us. He's going to encourage us because the word of God encourages us. He's going to speak to us through the word of God. And at that moment, we will have a choice to accept it, to believe it, and act upon it, or to stay the same way. So if we know the fruit of the Spirit, we have a choice to walk in the fruit of the Spirit. We have a choice to exercise patience. We have a choice to love. We have a choice to have joy. We have a choice to have peace. It's not that it's like, well, God just never gave it to me. Yes, he did. He has right here. He promises that to his children. We have a choice to walk in it. So we meet this lady in the word of God here in Joshua, and her name is Rahab. And if you're not familiar with Rahab, she was a prostitute. She wouldn't be your, what you would call your church-going, loving, sweet neighborhood lady, all right? She was a woman who had experienced some things and was living a lifestyle that was contrary to God's way for his people. And I'm going to read to you a few areas. Chapter 1, or chapter... Or 2, verse 1 says, Now Joshua the son of Nun sent out two men from Acacia Grove to spy secretly, saying, Go, view the land, especially Jericho. So they went and came into the house of a harlot named Rahab and lodged there. So three choices that changed everything for Rahab. Number one is she chose to hide the two spies. She chose to hide them. Here she is, and they came to her house. One, that was a moment of opportunity that she did not know was going to happen, right? Nobody, like, sent a pigeon with a note saying, these guys are coming, and be prepared, clean house. See, God doesn't come to you once you've cleaned house. Some people I've heard, and they've told me, well, I'll come to church when I get things ready. I'll do this when everything's cleaned up. Jesus comes to you when you were unclean. He died for you because you were unclean, because you weren't worthy, because you were filthy. He came to make you clean and make you whole. Don't wait to get cleaned up before you recognize Jesus. Recognize him in your filth. She didn't have time to get cleaned up and make it look pretty. See, sometimes we come to church and we get cleaned up and we make it look pretty. We don't cuss inside these four walls. We're not going to tell you the things that we're doing that wasn't pleasing to God last night. You know, we're going to take off our hoochie skirt today and put on our long one. <laughs> I'm not going to show you what I wore last night. No. And I'm only going to show my friends on Facebook that I'm friends with. You know, all the other non-friends don't get to see those photos. See, we try to clean up and look pretty to come in here. And we need to be who we are. Because you know what? You're blessed by knowing that someone struggles and they're working through it. And they get through it and it gives you hope. Amen? That's the reality. Because you can come in here and it can look like you have perfect children and the perfect marriage. And everybody who doesn't have perfect children and doesn't have a perfect marriage are fretting because they don't feel good. But then they realize, hey, you go through struggles too. And you face things too. And we're not walking in perfection, but we're all striving towards it. 
then we can share ideas and we can encourage and we can pray. You see, the biggest thing the enemy wants you to do is keep it a secret so no one will pray with you, agree with you, or hold you accountable. Because what's in secret needs to come out so that you can have accountability. If you're struggling with something, one of the greatest things you can do is go to someone you trust and say, I'm struggling with this. Can you pray for me? Can you help me? Can you check in with me? Because when you have that, it helps you. Amen? And so here she is in all her mess, and God chose her. Can I tell you today, God chooses you in all your mess. He chooses you. And he chose Rahab for it to be her house. So you know what? God is getting ready to come to some people's houses that aren't expecting it. And we are his messengers. Did you think about that? God wants to take you to some dirty places, to some unclean places, to be his vessel for the kingdom of God. Because you are the one. See, he sent... Joshua, says the son of Nun, sent two men. He sent two men, two God-ordained called men. And I love it too because there's pair there. See, some people try to do ministry alone, but you're not meant to do ministry alone. You need to go in together. You know, I've heard of people doing uh, ministry, say, in a strip club, which is great. But you don't go in there by yourself. I'm just here to minister. I'm looking around while I'm here, you know. No, there's, <laughs> you got to go in, you got to go with someone who's like-minded with you, who is covering you. Then you got to tell people, I'm going out. When they know you're going out, now they're holding you responsible to do what you said you're going to do. And then you got to have people praying for you. So see, Joshua knew what he was doing when he said, I'm going to send you guys out, and I'm going to send you too. It doesn't say, does it say men, but I'm going to assume he sent the two men to the prostitute. Did you ever think about that? He sent them together, anointed, to go to a specific place to minister. They just thought they were on a different mission. How many of you know God has multiple plans when he sends us somewhere? We think we're spying out something, but he's like, yeah, you're going to do that. But while you're doing that, you're also going to be an influence here. So this opportunity comes up to her. She takes them in, and this is what it says in verse 4. Then the woman took the two men and hid them. So she said, yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. This is when they're looking for them. And it happened as the gate was being shut when it was dark that the men went out. Where the men went, I do not know. Pursue them quickly, for you may overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hidden them with the stalks of flax which she had laid in order, in order on the roof. So they're wondering where these men are. And yes, she lies. She says, you know, hey, they left. They're gone. She had a covering there for him. The second thing that changed everything for her, one, was she took that opportunity. She had a choice to tell the guys to get out. I don't want you in my home, but she didn't. And she had a choice to tell on them, but she chose not to. 
So the second thing that changed her life besides hiding the spies is that she chose to ask for a new life. So here they are. They're in her house. She has hid them, tells them what to do. And she says in verse 12, Now therefore I beg you, swear to me by the Lord, since I have shown you kindness, that you also will show kindness to my father's house and give me a true token. And spare my father, my mother, my brothers, my sisters, and all that they have and deliver our lives from death. So here she is. She makes a choice to ask for something. And she doesn't ask for something just for herself. She asks for her whole family. I love this. My father, my mother, my brothers, my sisters, and all that they have deliver our lives from death. So the men answered her, our lives for your lives. If none of you tell this business of ours, and it shall be when the Lord has given us the land that we will deal kindly and truly with you. How many of us stop and ask the Lord for what we have need of? No, Lord, the Lord knows the changes that we need to make in our life. And we can say to him, Lord, I need a new life. Will you help me to do this? Will you help me? Will you save my children? Will you save my spouse? Will you, will you protect my belongings? Will you? We can go to the Father and make a choice to be on the right path with him. And so she went to these spies and she asked them for this. And they said, we're going to grant this to you. In fact, number three is she chose to do what was told to her by the spies to be saved. See, they said to her, um, let's go to verse 17. The men said to her, we will be blameless of this oath of yours, which you have made us swear. Unless when we come into the land, you bind this line of scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And unless you bring your father, your mother, your brothers, and your father's household to your own home, so it shall be that whoever goes outside the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his own head, and we will be guiltless. And whoever is with you in the house, his blood shall be on your head, on our head, if a hand is laid on him. And if you tell this business of ours, then we will be free from your oath, which you made us wear. Then she said, according to your words, so be it. Somebody say, so be it. So she had a choice. She put it out there. She asked. And then she had a choice to obey what they said for her to do. How many of you know so we can ask the Lord something? We can, we can want to have change. She wanted change bad enough that she's like, hey, I need change. My family needs change. Our life needs change. Will you do this? And this is the answer that she got to do specific things. And if she doesn't, then it's not their fault, right? I'm telling you what to do for the change. And if you choose not to do this, then it's not on me. It's on who? It's on you. So God gives us direction in his word. He tells us this is what we can do. This is how you can, you can have a different life. Tells us to do certain things in God's word. And if we choose not to do it, who's that on? Him or you? It's on us. It's on us. We have to choose the right thing.
we have to choose the right choice to have change in our life. So did she do that? Absolutely. She did exactly what she was supposed to do, and what did it do? It changed her life forever. So when we look at Rahab, we see that she chose to hide two spies. We see that she chose to ask for a new life. And we see that she chose to do what was told to her by the spies to be saved. And that package deal changed her life forever. And you may be in a place in your life where you feel like you need change, where you feel like you need for things to look different in your life than they currently look. And in order for you to have change, you have to make some choices. And the choices you have to make, one, is what God's speaking to your heart. And what God speaks to your heart, can I tell you, will never contradict what the word says. God doesn't contradict himself. And so you can know if that's, is that me? Is that my mind? Am I just imagining this? Well, what does the word say about that? And if the word complements what you're feeling, then you need to make that change. How many of you have ever need to make a change? And it's not, it's, it's like you have this idea, I need to do something. And then it comes up over and over again. And then you kind of know, like, I know that's God speaking to me. Because this isn't the first time I've heard this. You know, it's like if you, you need to walk in love and then, you know, you're driving down the road and you see something that's a billboard that has a scripture about love and you're like, well, isn't that odd? And then somebody's talking to you and they maybe text you something or they mention that same thing and you're like, I know God is speaking to me. You're like, I hear you, God, loud and clear now. I need to do this. But we have to make the choice to make the changes. So steps to a choice of change is one, cry to God and ask God for change. You know, numerous times we see in the word where Israel cried out to God and they asked God for change. We are God's people and we can cry out and we can ask for change. We can cry out on behalf of Wasco, on behalf of Shafter, and on behalf of our communities and ask God for change. Do you believe that? We can ask God for change in our nation. We can ask God for change in our church. We can ask God for change in our personal lives. We can cry out to God and ask for change. I love, and this is a good insert for me, for Wanda and Jim's Bible study, that on Monday nights at 9 o'clock, I mean 7, every night. Why did I just say Monday? I don't even know where that came from. But every night at 9 got that part right first. <laughs> she was telling me about it the other day. Every night at 9 o'clock, their group, and they want to extend it to everyone, stops whatever they're doing and prays for Wasco. Isn't that beautiful that we have believers here that believe in our city enough to cry out to God and ask for change? And so join them in that. You know, put that in your phone. Do a 9 o'clock alarm on your phone and just stop. It doesn't have to be an hour on your knees. It can be a simple whatever God places on your heart, to pray over our city. It happens when we cry out to God and we ask for change. What do you need to cry out and ask God for change? Or what have you been? Some of you are like, I've been crying out and he doesn't hear me. He hears you hold still. He hears you hold still. 
because it's in his timing. And sometimes I'm like, God, you are way too slow. And he's like, guess what? You're not in charge. I'm like, man, I don't want to be in charge. How many of you would want God's job? Woo-hoo! <laughs> we wouldn't survive. So we got to trust him in the process. Trust him in the process. Cry out to God and ask for change. Number two is knowing the voice of opportunity. So we talked about that. Rahab, along with these other people, understood the voice of opportunity. And so when the voice of opportunity is there, act upon it. And number three, have a willingness to change. Because what we saw through Rahab and these others in the Bible is they had a willingness to change. If you're not willing to change, guess what? You're not going to. You are not going to change. I can remember Jonathan's grandfather had several things that he would not eat. And so he would just say, I'm not eating that. I don't want it. And he would tell his grandmother she could make something else on that table whenever she was serving that because he was not going to eat it. And guess what? He didn't eat it. How many of us are that way with the Lord at times? That I'm not doing that. You can ask me to do a whole lot of things, but if you ask me to do that, I'm telling you now I won't do it. And Lord, help us to have hearts that are soft toward you, to do the things that are hard, to do the things that we don't want to do, to do the things that we don't feel like we're capable of doing. How many of you have ever felt like the things that you needed to do, you just weren't good enough to do it, or you weren't equipped to do it, or you weren't capable of doing it? But if God says do it, do it. Even if it's hard. Even if it's out of your comfort zone. Just do it. And see the hand of God move for your life. See change begin to take place. And as we see change take place, it encourages us. I can't imagine, like, how the rest of this story plays out for her family. Um, I don't know if all of her family chose to go or if... um, if she only had part of them. But you know what? Some people will go with you on your journey and some people won't. And you can't allow that to keep you from moving forward. Isn't that hard? Because don't you want everybody to go down the path that you're on when it comes to positive things? Like, why wouldn't you want to go with me? Why wouldn't you want to do this? Why wouldn't you want to experience? But if they're not ready and they're not willing, don't let them hold you back. Because you've got to move towards God. And you've got to move forward in him. And if they don't want to go, they're going to miss out on a whole lot. But don't live your life going, I missed out on a whole lot because I stayed back here with the ones who didn't want to go. Man, because as you move forward, God is going to send people in your path who are going to continue to bless you and keep moving you forward. See, we should always be moving forward, right? There should always be people in our life that are encouraging us, that are with us through journey. I have a lot of, I mean, you guys know, Jonathan and I have been here six years. We were in Santa Paula five years. Um, But prior to that, we've had different ministry places. And I thank God for the people that the Lord sent in our direction in those places to encourage us. Not too long ago, I I called up a, a, a sweet older lady in Texas. Her husband was on our council and I said, oh, Miss Rosie, I just, I needed your um, banana pudding. And I put her on speaker just so Debbie could hear her southern voice. Oh, honey. 
you know, she was so sweet. And I, and then I started crying because I'm like, Miss Rosie, I miss your voice. Like, and I just, and she started just like she always did, just encouraging me. And then I was like, but because of you, like she was the lady who told me, you can play the piano if you want me. I'm not playing that new stuff. I don't like that beat. I don't know that beat. And if those are the songs you want to play, you're going to play it. I'm like, but you've been playing since you were a little girl and you can do this. Nope, you're going to do it. And so I started off, it was on a Wednesday night, you know, Jesus, lover of my soul. <laughs> and she'd be like, that was great. Now add a little bit of this. And she pushed me to be better. And she encouraged me that now I can get up here and fill in when I need to. There should always be people in your journey. And you know what? You don't forget about them. I love her. I don't see her. Haven't seen her in years. But I can call her for banana pudding recipe if I need it. And I know that if I had a need, I could pick up the phone and she would intercede on my behalf. And there should be always people that are in our life that we recognize they're in our life for a season. And they may not walk with us as close down the road, but they're still a significant part of your journey and you're thankful for that. But in this season, you should have people in the season you're in right now who are an encouragement to you through the change. Because we're ever changing. And maybe God's calling you to step out and do something new and your old friends see you one way and never think you could do that. But the new people God sends in your life is like, I think that's a fantastic idea. You'd be a great teacher. Or these people are like, oh no, you could never teach. You can barely stand in front of the cashier. God sends us people to encourage us through the change. Man, and I'm so thankful for that. Because we all go through seasons, and we all need that. So this morning, that is the message, that we have a choice to change. The worship team is coming, and I just believe that God is doing something new. Do you believe that? Man, our nation was shook, changed, rearranged. And here we are, on the brink of the returning of the Lord. That is exciting. Change is coming. It's coming for the good. It's coming for the bad. But what change do you need to make? What changes do you need to make in your life what, to be on the right path? What things do you need to get rid of? It's hard to get rid of stuff. That's a big change. God's calling you to get rid of something, to lay something aside. What things do you need to do? It's hard to start something new. Man, sometimes I say, I'm going to do this, and I'll do it good for a week, and then something distracts you. Have you ever had that happen? And then the next week, you're like, well, that lasted for a week. You know, it's like you try to get up early. So one whole week, you got up at five or whatever. And then the next week rolls around, you're like, well, last week I was really tired. So you're back to like six, seven. It's not easy. But what is it that God's calling you to get rid of or add to? What are the things that he's wanting you, the choices that he's wanting you to make? And will you be willing to sacrifice? Will you be willing to do it? Is he calling you to a deeper place of prayer? Are you willing to get up earlier to pray or go to bed later? Is he calling you to study the word like you've never studied it before? Is he calling you to do an outreach? 
See, sometimes we wait on a church to, to tell us what we're to do. Do you know you can feed the homeless every day without a church congregation? You can be led by the Spirit every morning when you wake up to do whatever it is that God has put on your heart. Now, yes, we know there's power in numbers and there's great in backing and all of that, but I'm just, I'm, there's no excuses. What is God calling you to do and what kind of changes are you willing to say, Lord, here I am? Stand to your feet this morning. I forgot. Regina had to leave for work. <laughs> I'm the piano player. <laughs> It's all right. We got a great drum beat. <laughs> um, that's funny. It's all right. Man, thank you, Jesus. Lift your hands up towards the Lord. That's just a sign of surrendering. That's all that is. Sometimes it can be scary to do that. But, man, just lifting our hands, saying, Lord, here I am. Father, we thank you this morning for your goodness. God, we lift our hands up towards you as an act of surrendering, saying, here we are. Lord, we choose, I choose to be a vessel today used by you. God, I ask you to show me and to show others, Lord, those that are watching at home, those that are here in this place, Lord, the changes that we need to make in our lives, that we can be effective for the kingdom of God. Lord, help us to make those changes. Help us to do the hard things, Father. Help us to do the things that are uncomfortable, the things that we don't feel qualified for, Lord. Help us, God, to step out and choose to make the right choices, choices that will lead us closer to you, choices that will lead us to fulfillment, choices that will change our life from our current situation to where you would have us be. God, it, it is declared in your word that we are to be a joyful people. We are to be a happy people. We are to be a people, Lord, that is confident in you as our God. And so whatever choices we need to do, Lord, to have joy, to have peace, to have confidence in you, God, help us to make those choices. Father, I thank you that you are empowering us as your people, that we can be vessels used by you to share the good news that you are coming back, that you are returning, that you have come to forgive us, and that through you we have salvation and life everlasting, and that you will return, and that we are a victorious people because of you, Lord. We choose you today. If that's you today and you've never made that choice to choose him, then you can right now just say, I choose you, God. I confess you as the creator of heaven and earth. I recognize that there's only one way to you, God, and that's through your son, Jesus Christ, who died upon the cross to forgive me of my sins. And I receive forgiveness today. Receive his forgiveness. If you have never received his forgiveness right now, receive his forgiveness. And if you've been a servant of God and you've served the Lord, but you have just felt like you've been overwhelmed in your wrongdoings and, and all the gunk of your life, just, just receive his forgiveness right now. God, I thank you that you forgive your children. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, that you forgive us for those things that we have done that we shouldn't have done, for the lack, uh, the procrastination, God, for, for all those things, whatever it is that we're facing today. Thank you, Lord, for your forgiveness. We confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, and we thank you, God. We thank you, God, today. Lord, empower and give strength to, to our people to do the right thing. Lord, that when they're faced with that choice that, God, they'll wholeheartedly receive it and move forward 
with anointing and power and strength, Lord. God, I thank you for giving them strength and power today in Jesus' mighty name. Gal, can you just tell them you are good? You are good, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope God spoke to you personally through this message and continues to encourage you throughout the coming weeks.